Welcome to Critical Ditto, guys. This is a Pokemon roleplay podcast in which we will attempt to tell you a lovely story uh, that you will enjoy. My name is Stuart, and I am running this game. Uh, and on my digital left sits the wonderful Ali Hill. Ali, Ali, tell us about yourself. Thank you, Stu. I will, and thank you for introducing me. I play Kenny Mullet, the haunted yet empathetic and lovely sweetheart from Comover Town, trying to find out why he has random bursts of dark power. On his team, he has his trusty Dartrix called Bowtie, his slightly less trusty Magikarp called Moustache, his new friends Hoops the Salandit and Fedora the Honchcrow, and not forgetting that egg. That egg. And on my digital left, the wonderful David Leavesley. Thank you so much, Ali. Hello, I'm David, and I am playing Theo, the church member who was on the hunt for the King's Rock. And on my team, I have a Medicite that currently has no nickname. Don't think too much about it. Don't get too deep. We have um, Hillary the Swadloon. We have Cabbage the Kabuto. We have a Togekiss. We have a Barbarical with a broish personality. And we have Jason the Combi. And on my digital left, I have the wonderful, the incredible Tom Dale and his window. Who seems to go on walkabouts. Yes, that's right. Thank you for that wonderful introduction, David. It is me, the person you've been waiting for, Thomas Dale. That's right. That is my real name. I'm revealing it now on the podcast. Wait, you're called what? Thomas Dale. Thomas. Exactly. Yep. Oh, doesn't really fit at you, actually, if I'm honest. What? Stick with Tom, mate. I'm going to stick with the name Brandy, because that's who I'm playing. And she has Wimpy the Baneary, Gary the Skaroopy, Snorleone the Munchlax, Bunnelby. <laughs> Sorry, I went into a Was sort she? of. Really? I had a weird flashback there of remembering what Bun- state for a whether when Bunnelby existed, and cheeky little Meltan, who I've yet to name. They're with me, whoever oh, they bold. are. Is, is bold of really you to assume, Tom. That's a, yeah, that is I a feel like that's bold decision. No, no Pokeballs have been thrown. No charm rolls have been made, my friend. That's true. That's true. Ooh, However, what I will, will say... The curse you, Tom. The dice will, will say <laughs> upon this, this malfeasance. How dare you, Tom? <laughs> what, I will Thomas. Say, what I will say, Stuart, is that, that we want to characterise and give Pokemon personalities, and we've given this Meltan a monocle. So someone's getting him. <laughs> Someone's getting this meltdown. We're not gonna. We're it's not like, gonna. It's like the anime character with the with the crazy coloured hair. You're like, well, they're joining the main cast, aren't they? <laughs> all right, all right. Well, why don't we find out what happened last time, and we can work out whether this meltdown actually likes Thomas. Previously on Critical Ditto. We need a turret guardian. Brandy, you're in the turret. You see your Gyarados is heading towards the opening in the furnace at the front of the train. It's Gary Smoke, but Brandy doesn't know But it's in Gary a mask. Smoke. Brandy gets fake, following this Meltan's advice, shoots the Gyarados. You hit the Gyarados and knock it out of the sky, but the masked Dustox person makes it onto the train. Kenny, Theo, the church car has been barricaded. We have a child here and Enya breaks rank. I can explain more, but the train has stopped because Nautilus are attacking, and these people, they want to help. Is there something being hidden on this carriage? A strange plinth, a big metal box, and a small glass peephole, but it looked like there was something moving in there. Kenny, you are focusing your poker powers, a pulse in the corner of the room, and you see, minimized, is Kanan. Can the botanist and the priest maybe whittle up and maximise powder? You brew the potion just fine. But just before you can do it, you see Imandi and Cassidy. We need to get down there. You're going to let us in there. And then maybe we won't incapacitate you. But we actually have no idea how to get down there ourselves. Oh, I suppose <laughs> I'll just mulch you in a meat for dinner then. 
Brandy, you see yourself staring face to face, once again in the middle of a storm, with Gary Smoke. Brandy, you made it. train rocks with battle. Nautilus continues their vicious assault on the Nidorian Express with callous aplomb. Grunts leap from Gyrados, crashing in through windows, doors and other holes in the hull of the once magisterial carriages behind the vast engine. Hey! That carriage already has a hole in the window! yells one grunt to another. Easy pickings! The pair leap from their Gyrados, assisted by wingulls attached to their Nautilus vests, and crash into the daycare car through the hole made by Hoity Toity's defeated Minior not hours before. The carriage is dark, a few naptime nightlights the only illumination. Vast baby polka dolls are uplit and appear to have terrifying smiles. It's quiet. Too quiet. Who cares? The first grunt releases a corfish. Corfish! Tear this place apart! Must be something valuable in here. Corfish readies a crab hammer, but is interrupted by a voice. I hate to interrupt, young piratical folk, but forcing that Pokemon into violence is something I just can't abide. Hoity-toity and Delibird emerge from behind a poker doll, their icy cane tapping frostily on the floor. Who the heck are you? Shut up, you cosplay weirdo. Ignore the clown. Shred the room. Hoity-toity sighs. Delibird, I reckon these two deserve a present, don't you? Delibird. Delibird tosses a nougat bar to both of the Nautilus grunts, and a lolly to the corfish. The Nautilus grunts cower, before realising what has been thrown their way. They cackle gleefully. <laughs> is this supposed to be intimidating? Oh, is this your big combat tactic? Long-term diabetes? <gasps> Hoity-toity smiles. Was that the last of your sweets, Delibird? Delibird nods knowingly. Oh dear. Guess they'll have to share. The Nautilus grunts cease their laughter, unnerved by Hoity-Toity's eerie calm. Tiny shadows begin to emerge from behind the polka dolls and paint stations. Small, sticky hands clench stubby fingers. Tiny tongues lick grinning lips. They took our chocolate. The grunts realise their mistake, but it's too late. A horde of children and baby Pokemon swarm the hapless pair before they get two steps towards the window, swallowed by a screeching mass of grubby grabbers and gnashing teeth. Ah, Theo already got off easy. <laughs> and that, that is what is happening in the daycare car as we see the train start to fight back against the horde of Nautilus onslaughts. But I want to know what's happening elsewhere. What is happening in, in, in maybe some other cars? Tom, Thomas. Yes, yes. My what do you think's happening in Kitan's gym? Kitan still cleaning up the debris from his battle with Brandy. The battle he lost horribly. All his Pokemon are down and he's just kind of trying to sweep up the gym and then suddenly he hears the windows crashing in. The roar of the Gyaradoses. He realises, oh goodness. Gyarados! Right? Was that his laugh? Was that his laugh? And he's panicked. He's got no Pokemon. Vespaquen's down. I'm a sitting duck. 
suddenly a Gyarados flies in, some Nautilus grunts drop down, they're like, We thought you was the gym leader, but you look like easy pittings for old Mary Poppins. And then suddenly, <laughs> Mary Poppins. Yeah. Flies in. And suddenly, suddenly, I say, no, let's let's clean up this, shall we? Kiter's when there's like, a job that must be done, and a Ky- gym that looks no fun. No, Kaita's like, we sweep. Is your name Mary Poppins? He's like, no, my name's Mary, and this is Poppins. And and uh, he's pointed to the Gyarados. Gyarados. Kitan's a sitting duck. Kitan's ready to sort of surrender until Kitan's cheerleaders run in all the people he beat in the previous gym and they have healed up Pokemon and they form a wall behind him and they say something like, what are you doing? Kitan, it's time for you to be a cheerleader for us for once. Go, Dragonite. Oh my God. Weird flex. Oh man, I got this so wrong. I know. The guy, the redhead guy tosses out a Laron. A couple oh, nice. of other Pokemon are tossed out by the other cheerleaders. They're all going to take on Poppins the Gyarados. That's happening. Poppins the Gyarados and Mary the, the Keeper. And then Kitan goes, go for it, guys. Go. And starts cheerleading. Okay, great. Do you want to roll? Do you want to roll for these guys? Oh, absolutely. What, 2d6? It's a 7 plus a 1. So it's an 8. Maybe as the Gyarados sort of thrashes to leave, they sort of smack into one of the walls, so there's sort of rubble at that end of the carriage, so they can't actually escape to other parts of the train. Nice, so they're just trapped in the kind of beehive insect area. Yeah. Well done, well done, Kite and the gym leaders, great work. Um, Ali, what is happening in the medical car with Robin, Nancy, Nancy Chancy, and, and uh, Teddy? Teddy the nursery's there, right? Yeah, yeah Teddy is in yeah, there. Yeah, okay, so, so Ali, what is happening there? I think the medical car is at the end of the train, so it knows it's sort of vulnerable. There's banging against the wall. You can see the sort of dent to the back wall of the medical car where the grunts and the Gyarados have just been sort of slamming into it, trying to sort of break down the back of the train. And so Chansey, Teddy and Robin have taken the opportunity to basically build a medical fort. Um, Facing the dent at the back wall, you've got chairs piled up with like syringes pointing out as a kind of threatening... (laughs) Um, what, have they, have like they got like syringe catapults? Them. They're going to be yeah, firing hypodermic exactly needles. What, that's <laughs> that's, that's exactly what they've got. Yeah, oh, that's, that's exactly brutal. what I'm going for. They are ready as soon as that wall caves in, which it will, because every like... Okay. It's sort of the dent goes a bit so, more. Oh, um, Team Nautilus got a battering ram. Have they got a go-goat on the other side? Just like, boom! Yes, that's every so time. good! Boom. Okay, let's yes, roll. Exactly. Let's roll to see how they do. My Take a plus one as well for the hypodermic needle catapult. It's an eight plus a one, so it's a nine. So it's another okay. mixed success. So maybe it's a similar situation where they're able to kind of repel the initial assault, but it, but it, they use all their needles. They're, they're out of needles. That's the thing. There's no more medical supplies. Chansey's firing out. She's got these catapults. Chansey! Chansey! And the go-go takes a couple of needles, maybe some sedative in them. Go-go goes, go-go, goes down, flops down. And uh, they keep firing. These grunts are coming in. They take a temporary retreat. And Chansey's like, ammo me. I need more. I need more. And Teddy's like, Robin's, Chansey, there's nothing left. I've got no more hypodermic needles. Chansey just takes her egg out, cracks it on her face. Wipes the yolk in. <laughs> Isn't Nancy also a bit cockney? Chitsy! Oh! 
Great. David, uh, we kind of run out of room. So tell me, tell me what incredibly, <laughs> incredibly awesome thing is happening in the buffet car that we will never see and never witness. David, just to establish, you have more free reign than a double six right now. This is the buffet car that we haven't visited. We never will visit. It's completely... <laughs> this, this buffet car has been mentioned in every episode, yet we've not been there. <laughs> Stu has been so desperate to get us to go on the buffet car, but oh, we have God. Do you, want, do you want to know the quest? Do you want to know the quest in the buffet car? It was so sweet. There was a sous chef in the kitchen, right, who had a Bulbasaur, but the poison types were banned in the kitchen because they might contaminate the food. But his Bulbasaur was the most incredible chef. And he was getting kicked out of the kitchen because of these snobby anti-poison chefs. It was gonna, it was, it was beautiful. Is that true? That was true. That was my idea. Oh, that's heartwarming. Okay, well maybe, maybe after we sort out Team Nautilus, we could go to back to the buffet car and maybe sort that out. Maybe sort out <laughs> some social persecution amongst poison types. <laughs> I think that there's two sides of this. There's one thing I'd love to throw in, but also the buffet car. I think we are witnessing a team of of chefs, which is entirely composed of very aggressive Hitmonlees and Hitmonchans, because humanoid chefs. Who have uh, who have all turned against this Bulbasaur, the sweet the sweet Bulbasaur? But they are all now teams together to produce explosive poffins that they are throwing at the oncoming oh, onslaught. Wow. Are they poffins. using poison poffins as well? I was going to say, oh, yeah. they, they keep chucking they keep chucking poffins, but they're having no effect. And then one of the one of the Hitmon Chans turns around and sees the poison sort of secreting out of the Bulbasaur and goes, "Interesting." <laughs> <laughs> That's disgusting. And disgusting. finally, they've combined together through <laughs> violence. Like all Hooray! great communities. Yeah, war. War is the answer, guys. Just fight. Conflict will bring people together. Does David need to roll for the, for the Hitmon lease? Take plus one as well, because it's only fair. Oh, oh so oh! ten plus a one. That was a massive success. So in that, The buffet car's the only car. safe place on the entire train. It's, yeah, it's now a little haven. It's a sanctuary. With a ten, they've fully accepted Bulbasaur now in a big way. Bulbasaur is the new head chef. They let Bulbasaur Love cook that. a victory meal. Yeah. And it turns out it gives That's them all cute. food poisoning. <laughs> and right it was all Bulbasaur's right revenge. Bulbasaur just poisons them all. And it's like, That's for years of punishment! You know what, guys? There was a final carriage that I neglected to mention. A couple of grunts walked down the passenger car, just checking in on everyone, making sure they're all still locked in. They're walking along, people are carrying, some people look like they want to fight back, but they can't, they're locked in. Nautilus feel like they have this carriage under control at least. Until they walk past a certain carriage. The carriage that was meant for the Sir The two Nautilus grunts look inside, and instead of seeing people sat on their chairs in their booth, they just see a melted hole leading out to the outside of the train, and Cassius and Calico are nowhere to be seen. Nice. Okay, so do you, do you want to roll for Cassius and Calico, please? Uh, roll for <laughs> roll for melted hole. Yeah, okay, melted hole. Yeah, okay, <laughs> melted melted hole. hole. Oh, it's oh, bad. Oh. Okay, so it was oh, a really tiny roll. hole. Really looks like it shouldn't fit anyone through it. You can see a bit of Fortress's shell is just left. They've had to shed their entire shell to get out of that thing. Oh, it's Fortress. There's just like a flopping Fortress flopping around somewhere. No, 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 no. You see the shell. You can imagine the flopping Fortress is somewhere else. But it's exposed and gross and slimy. <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> so gross. Oh, can you imagine a Fortress with that shell? I'm going to Google that. I'm sure someone would have done that. Don't, don't, no. Don't Google that, Ali. 
We <gasps> left last time with Theo and Kenny facing down Amandi and Cassidy, two Nautilus... I don't want to give them admin. Should we call them freelancers? Maybe we should. <laughs> Cassidy, a young cheerleader-esque type, crucially though not one of the cheerleaders, has a hone edge. I see her with a pirate bandana tied around her head, a high ponytail, open white-collared shirt, uh, a sash. She's wielding this scimitar, which is a hone edge. Amandi. David, what does Amandi look like? Amandi has that Akira Toriyama look of a larger woman. She is a rotund, robust creature, but her face is all very, very close to the centre of the head. And there's a lot of head, but the face <laughs> is just kind of... But there's something incredibly placid and therefore incredibly terrifying about the expression. It looks like she's about to serve you dinner, but she could be serving you human meat. Her work uniform is kind of a charming bar wench, except now it has a sort of more gothic aspect to it. These two are coming at you, Kenny and Theo. They're coming at you hard. Cassidy looks like she's swinging that hone edge for some sort of smart strike, steel move. Amandi is just unleashing Victory Bell with some sort of sludge bomb. What are you guys doing? Kenny and Melissa actually share a look of recognition about one of these Pokemon. One day, in years gone by, on the farm, a Victory Bell attacked some of the crops. It tried to suck some of the goodness, the nutrients out of the crops. (laughs) Dora has a Torchic, and the only reason they were able to get rid of it was because Torchic started to attack it with some fire, and they realised what it was weak to. Basically justifying Kenny sending, essentially knowing that fire is the sort of main tactic to use, and therefore sending out hoops. Come on, Hoops! I need you right now. Hoops responds the only way she knows how. Double backflip onto a table. Rears herself up. Kisses. And Fanny comes back through the door and is like, is, is, are there any more tables? The barricade is about to fall. We, we literally need every piece of furniture we possibly can. Oh, no. No, I see that table is in use. I do. I apologise. I apologise. We'll get back to the fight. So what are you doing? This sludge bomb's coming at you. Great type choicing. Love that. What are you doing to respond? Um, there's a pile of books that's actually sort of congregated quite near... Kenny and oh, this is going to hurt Theo deeply. I do apologise in advance, do, David. Wait, is Kenny doing a book burning? Kenny's doing a book burning. Everyone, <laughs> Kenny's doing Kenny's an old-fashioned book burning. Sweet Kenny, oh. sweet Nazi Kenny, oh my sweet sloking. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny is basically trying to throw these books in between hoops and the victory bell, give hoops a bit of sort of smoky, fiery coverage, and ask hoops to sort of set them aflame. Tom, can we try and make this slightly less appalling? What what horrible books are these that are getting burned? One is The Importance of Gender Roles in Life. Importance <laughs> uh, <laughs> of Binary Genderism. By J.K. Rowling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think there's there's definitely a book called Whitney, Roll Out and Me, play by play of Whitney's strategy, and it's only one page long. I was gonna say is there Everstones in Trade Evolutions by uh Mindy. Mindy's <laughs> memoir. I tell you what, Ali, let's see how you roll and see see how this all pans out. So am I rolling plus speed for you are. an advantage? So Hoops' speed, she is a plus two to speed. Oh my giddy on. Should have attacked. I rolled a five and a six. <laughs> so I got a thirteen. So you get to pick two of the following, Ali. No, wait, did you get a twelve plus? You did, you get three. Well, I got mate, I get three. You get three. So you can <laughs> take take one forward or give one forward. You can heal one harm. You can inflict an extra harm next time you damage. You can force mm-hmm. your foe where you want them. You can suffer one less harm next time you take damage. I am definitely going to inflict an extra harm because Hoops is now surrounded by flame. She's not particularly hardy, so I'm definitely going to take one less harm. And then canonically, I like the idea that the book that Kenny saves emboldens Theo just a tiny little bit. So I'm going to give one forward to Theo. So the, the books circle into a half ring of fire and Hoops skitters right amongst the flames and prepares a flame burst for her next attack. And Kenny looks apologetically towards Theo and says, 
Theo, I know that must have been just the worst thing for you to see me do. I'm so sorry. Please accept my apology present. Well, Kenny, I watched somebody die today, so uh, bar's pretty high. So just just burn the books. The book is called How to Deal with Grief. <laughs> So we see this sludge bomb that's been hurled by Amandi's disgusting victory bell uh, is dodged with ease by Kenny's salandit hoops. She creates this incredible advantage using the flames of the pages and the paper dancing around her whirling. Meanwhile, Cassidy has charged at you, Theo, looking to swing this nasty scimitar hone edge down at you with a cutting blow. What do you do? Theo, knowing that no matter who gets sent out is going to be at a disadvantage, I think Swadloon is the only person who has no weaknesses to either steel or or ghost. God, I'm so oh sorry for giving gosh. you this matchup, David. I didn't even know. But I think Theo is going to still go in and Theo is going to set up the scene for whoever they send out. So Theo goes for a Will-O-Wisp again on the hone edge. So this sounds like another create an advantage roll, but this time instead of rolling a Pokemon speed, you will be rolling plus sharp. Yeah, because David rolls with sharp with poker powers now okay so you're you're using the use poker powers move so please roll plus sharp okay so that's 2d6 plus 2 are you going to use your plus 1 now I'm not going to use my plus 1 now because I have faith in the heart of the cards oh Oh, 2 plus a 3 plus 2 for sharp which makes for a 7 which is a mixed success for Theo Okay, so you absolutely do apply this burn. I'll inflict one more harm next time round just to keep with the theme of burn. Which I think I said literally last time I used this in a move. Okay, Victor Bell is at a severe type disadvantage against hoops, but it's going to come at you with a vine whip anyway. The sludge bombs miss, so he's going for a more physical, just hit you with some horrible branches. What are you doing? Hoops! Flame burst! Unleash, unleash that power. Okay. She is rolling uh, with special, which is also plus two, so I'm 2d6 plus two, and that is a nine. Yeah, we both do damage to each other, so let's work that out real quick. We look at the type disadvantages. So actually, Victor Bell is doubly ineffective against Poison and Fire. So it's minus two. So it was at it was at five. So it's now at three plus the D4. And you minus one for the one less harm from last time. Yes. You are getting a plus one for your fire move. So you are on a plus two yeah. plus your D4. So I'm 1D4 plus two, essentially. I rolled a three. So I am doing five damage to this Victory Bell. I roll a two. So I am doing also five damage. Well, Hoops' armor is three. So uh, Hoops does go down. But, but guess uh, what? I think Victor Bell's armor is four. <gasps> glory and death. <laughs> it's a glory and death. So Ali, describe the scene. How do they both go down? Victory Bell's is vine whip flies in towards Hoop. She catches it in her mouth and the flame bursts from within her with the vine in the mouth. The flame follows the vine towards the Victory Bell. The Victory Bell panics 
and withdraws the vine back in towards itself. And as it does so, it clamps down those horrible gnashing teeth that it has into hoops, doing serious damage to my poor little lizard. But the Evictual cannot escape the fire that is now engulfing its entire body screams in pain and crumples to the floor beautiful kenny runs over to hoops oh my god hoops you did amazing and withdraws her for the next round of combat Meanwhile, Theo, you're still up in it with Cassidy. The hone edge has been burnt. Scimitar is singed, but it's still coming in with another strike. I think it's going to go for a shadow sneak this time. So it's almost like Cassidy releases the scimitar and the sword starts to fly towards you, dipping in and out of surfaces, manifesting and unmanifesting and coming at you with this ghostly attack. What do you do? Theo sees the situation and remembers something that they read once before, that when a swaddle evolves into a swadloon, they develop a move upon evolution, which is protect. I mean, who knows? For real or in our world? For real. Is it? Oh, great. Okay. I'm so glad I once Bulbapedia'd swadloon. So knowing that a shadow sneak is going to be a difficult one to counterattack. This is a nebulous move. This is a spiritual move. Defense is the best offense. Hillary, just protect, protect yourself. So it sounds like that is a creating advantage, yes? So roll plus speed for Swad Loon, for Hillary the Swad Loon, please. David, do you want to use your plus one? You know what? I'll use the plus one. I think this is the right time. Okay. Plus one for speed. Plus my one carried over from Kenny's virtuous act. Whoa. <laughs> that was a, a six plus a three plus a two for a juicy, juicy 11. So you're absolutely dodging this this shadow sneak, but you also, with an 11, get get two advantages. I'll suffer less harm next time, plus one more forward. So we've got plus one forward, plus one harm, and minus one damage, correct? Yes. The shadow sneak has taken Cassidy and the Hone Age right up against you straight away, and she's going to go in again, but this time with a shadow claw. Hone Age, you you shadow claw! Oh, real zinger. No, no, Um, I'm not wordsmith! I'm, I'm, I'm a merc pirate for hire. Are you looking for pity whilst you try and slash my face open? Oh, I don't, no, need, I don't need pity. I'm a pirate. So prepare for pain, punk. Oh, now I've got it. Now I'm working. <laughs> <laughs> she's using she's using plosives. Oh, no. It's going to be horrible in the sound, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Theo wipes some spit out of their face. Swadloon, razor leaf. Roll attack with plus one forward. Yep, so this is a plus two cool. if you want. 2d6 plus two. Oh, so four plus three plus two for a nine. For a nine. Okay, we're both dealing damage. It's four plus your d4. Got a four! Got a lovely four. Unbelievable. So you're dealing eight damage. Honedge is dealing... Oh! So so (gasps) Honedge is dealing plus one plus the d4, which rolled a four, so that's five damage. Swadloon is dealing eight damage. Honedge is dealing five damage. I do take minus one? Yeah, Yeah. Swadloon takes one. So I can reveal that Swadloon's armor is five. So with the minus one... Hillary the Swadloon oh. clings on, and Cassidy's oh, Honedge yeah. goes down hard, taking eight points oh, of damage. So it's actually a success for Swadloon, who comes out the standing victor. David, what does this final attack look like? In the process of slicing downwards towards this tiny recalcitrant bug on the floor, the razor leaves just come up in a sort of vast kabuki tempest around the the blade, and it knocks off chinks of steel here and there, here and there, until the sword is just whittled down to sort of a, a butter knife. It still manages to make a hit that knocks Wadaloon across the room, but it is a tiny, mere blade 
by the time that swirly eyes appear all over it. That is the end of Cassidy and Amandu. They have been defeated. The freelancers that had got past the barricade are, are knocked back and both Amandu and Cassidy return their fainted Pokemon and retreat back. We need to grab the potion back off them is the only thing before they retreat. Kenny was right next to the victory bell which had stolen oh, great. it. So I had a plan for this all along, guys. In Ooh. retrieving hoops who'd been pulled into the victory bell, Kenny saw the potion and swiped it before victory bell was returned. Excellent. So Kenny has possession of the potion as Amandu and Cassidy disappear back off to rejoin the majority of the Nautilus troops. Yay, you better run. Am I doing it right? Kenny, did you see that? I finally won in front of somebody. Your oh. first victory. Oh. How does it feel? I remember my first victory like it was last week, which it was. Yeah, let's not focus on this too much. Let's just um, magnify the, the small professor, shall we? Yeah. Theo, oh, I'm so happy for you. Guys, I really think the, the Grand Canyon that we're about to skate over is too large. Can you hear the whistling wind in the Grand Canyon? I really think we're going to struggle oh, to, to get over the whole Grand Canyon in our four skateboards. It's a, it's a big canyon. It is a big canyon. It is a big canyon. We've also, I mean, it is a, a steep hill that we're skateboarding down to jump it, but um, we might need help. But uh, it's okay. I've got a rocket fuel oh, yeah. on everyone's skateboard so oh thank we'll god otherwise this wouldn't be safe this is the best way forward definitely well we've got to do it because the midsection is on the other side so it's 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 do or die right why not both stew let's go <laughs> let's go hey <laughs> okay three two one <laughs> it didn't work <laughs> freeze frame did they make it we'll find out after this midsection we may have we may have already not made it but hey here we go midsection from Trigula. Their character is Alphonse Macabre. Alphonse was born under the tutelage of his father, Damien, who once held position of Elite Four as a Dark Type trainer. Our listeners love Dark Types. Uh, as Alphonse grew up in his father's shadow, nice, he was expected to be this prodigy at a young age. But as Alphonse grew, he knew he just wanted to spend his days in his own world of creativity. From the young age of nine, Alphonse found beauty in dragon types. He found their raw power to be misunderstood and the compassion and intelligence that laid underneath all that power. To press his legacy onto his son, Damien forced a Dino upon his son. This dark type was known to be incredibly ferocious and evil, but Alphonse saw the beauty in his new friend. Alphonse raised his new friend at an incredible speed. In a short amount of time, Pandora had grown into a high dragon. Ooh. Damien beamed at his son knowing that the ferocious creature would show him the power of dark types, only to find that Pandora had become Alphonse's muse. Alphonse had tamed this beast. She had become his best friend and would be his partner into the future. As the years passed, Alphonse turned his back on his father to pursue his love of sculpting and dragons. He opened a gallery in hope to show others the grace of dragons and the kindness they have all inside them. Unfortunately, the League only saw the power of dragons and insisted that he become a gym leader. Alphonse begrudgingly accepted the position and turned his gallery into a gym in hopes of spreading the word. Much to his chagrin, Alphonse raised his Pokemon to be too strong and they continued to beat almost all of his challenges, further spreading the idea that dragons are these monstrous creatures. Alphonse stands at a tall, lanky six foot three. He has bags under his eyes from the countless late nights he spent sculpting. His fingers usually have dry clay stuck to the tips. His long, snow-white hair that flows down to his lower back is almost always tied up into a ponytail. As for his personality, Alphonse has a kind heart and an eye for art. However, a lot of things he says can be taken out of context and seem inappropriate or even dirty. Just like his dragons, Alphonse is misunderstood. No bye, no that was that. So you're telling me this NPC has a high dragon, eh? Hmm. I am. I am. Where have we seen a Hydreigon before? It's tough, though, because obviously 
we're saying that Alphonse is a gym leader somewhere in the Formula region. Would the league would the league rob their own their own person of a high dragon? Okay, I have a, I have a theory. This is actually all in the past. Alphonse Macabre was sort of strong armed by Dramoxis. I think this is past Alphonse. Present right, day, right, right. Present day, they live in some sort of shack somewhere, just sculpting in the woods. As a gym leader, were were they? I was confused. Were they dark or were they dragon? I they didn't say. The dad was dark. Yeah, the dad was dark. Yeah, okay. he was a dark daddy. He was a dark daddy. <laughs> <laughs> the thing, the thing that strikes me with Alphonse is the, the slightly tragic element that he was just desperate for his dragons to be gentle and kind, and they still end up just slaughtering everyone. Oh. I, I I just see every every gym battle. He's like. Please, Zvelas, hold back. Just no, no, don't use the second head. Just stick with one head. That's all you need. And Zvelas is like, no, no, I must bite twice. Twice. I'd twice, thrice. Um, meanwhile, he's just sculpting. He's just sculpting sadly in a corner. I almost think, I almost think he doesn't even participate in the battle. He's yeah. just doing a ghost type thing in the back. Sort of unchained meliading some kind of weird pot. But then, so how do we think Dromoxis got Hydreigon from Alphonse Macabre? Maybe Hydreigon was the was the most vicious, the most brutal. And Alphonse is like, I can't tame the spiritual soul. There is no artistic nous within this creature. Take it away from me. Take it away. Perhaps Alphonse had managed to tame the Hydreigon in a way that this Hydreigon, even though it was still winning battles just because its strength was actually quite nice and well-mannered, However, perhaps Alphonse passed away. I don't think we can kill all our... We can't kill this... Kidnapped. Overseas, can we? Kidnapped. <laughs> missing? Missing. Missing is better. Missing. Missing is better than missing. killed. Missing, but we all know he's dead. I <laughs> think it's, it's just for it's just for you, Trigula. He's miss yeah, he's missing Trigula. Yeah, 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 yeah. Seto Kappa approached Alphonse because he'd heard about this crazy big Hydreigon. He had a big stunt coming up and he was like, Look, I wanna prove it. Can you release the Pokemon? We'll give it back to you. And Alphonse was too artistic and was like, No, I'm not gonna use my friend for your, you know, PR stunt. Refused. Then the next day, perhaps Alphonse went missing. We're not saying why, we're not saying how. But Hydreigon felt enraged. So this was a, a, a threat to Dromoxis's draconic reign in Alphonse, who just wanted to sort of sculpt things nicely with his peaceful dragons, ended up raising this super powerful Hydreigon that uh, the League caught wind of and wanted to take for themselves. In the process of taking this Hydreigon, Alphonse went, quote, missing and has not been found to this day. This now also means that we've now created a super powerful Hydreigon that that Bash has. It's not just that Bash is so heavily overleveled in having a high dragon. She has an exceptionally powerful one. She has a full max EV'd, IV'd high dragon that we're at some point just going to have to accept. And I'm kind of yeah, into not it. Not only that, not only that, it can sculpt like Da Vinci. <laughs> 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 I like to imagine that if if High Dragon ever did a self portrait, it would only have one head and two stumps, a la David. <laughs> How dare you say that I've got two stumps? Outrageous. <laughs> Right. Well, did we did we get over that canyon? Well, we're, we we spe- we've been speaking in midair for about twenty minutes. So should we should we just before just before we land, I'd like to thank Trigula for that wonderful suggestion. If you have an idea for a listener NPC or a place or an item or anything that you want, please email us at criticalditto at gmail.com. And also, if you could, not that we don't love the long ones because the long ones are interesting. It's your character, fair enough. However, a paragraph is fine. <laughs> a paragraph we can cope with but if there's too much information there we're not going to be able to cover it all we can get to why Alphonse has white hair 
Look at the travesty we made of Alfonso's character. It was too much. Look, some people some people lose the colour of their hair when they age, Tom. That's that's just a fact of the matter. We don't need a tragic backstory behind every silver fox. Speaking of silver foxes, there's one on the other side of the canyon. Should we do a roll to see if we make it? Okay. Well, I rolled a six, guys, so uh, I'm dead. Um... I rolled a four. I'm dead. Oh, I got an eight. I just about made it. Oh, I got a ten. See you, oh. suckers. Oh. Bye. I'm getting that silver fox. Hello, friends. My name is Jonah Jackson. I'm the Game Master on Quest Company Jr., an actual play RPG podcast that's fun for the whole family. You can join us for fun adventures in our series, Guardians of Greenwood and Postcards Yo, from Pearl. Are you talking about me? Oh, uh, hey, Pearl. Yeah, I was just about to tell oh, him all oh, about oh, I you. I want to help. My name is Pearl. I'm 10 years old. I'm a super cool Pokemon trainer. My best friend is a seal named Sealy. Or Ord? I'm exploring the Kanoko region to become the very best like no one ever was. Oh, yeah. Kanoko is a brand I'm new region. I'm making a lot of new friends, and I'm trying to take down Team Nasty. Well, those guys are no good. Yeah. They steal Pokemon and turn them into shadow Pokemon. What the heck? Well, if there's anyone who can stop them. It's a 10-year-old who was raised on a cruise ship. Or, or. Okay, Celia and I are going to go train. See you later. Bye, Pearl. If you want to follow Pearl's adventures, check out Quest Company Jr. wherever you get your podcasts. Quest Company Jr. Fun at the table, fun for the family. Who's that Pokemon? Delibird. It's Delibird. We cut to the outside of the train. The rain from Elisa's storm is pouring, is lashing down upon the metallic roof of the Nidorient Express and stood not three metres apart as the lightning flashes and the clouds thunder and rumble above them are Brandy and Pokemon Champion missing Gary Smoke. Brandy, you made it. I made it. You made it! What am I, why are you saying I made it? This isn't your party! It's like my thing, isn't it? That's what I say. Yeah, I know it's what you say. Where have you been? I thought you were kidnapped. I thought you were in, a, you know, a dungeon somewhere. Totally kidnapped, that's me. Yeah, I am yeah. not here of my own free will. And actually, I shouldn't really be talking to you, because you know me, you can identify me, and that's bad. That's bad for Gary Smoke for the brand. You understand? So I'm gonna go now, Brandy. I'm gonna leave you and your bedraggled, wet, ratata-looking hair on the roof of this train, and I wish you well, Brandy. I wish you well, all right? So I got a job to do. I'll smoke your screen another time, you know well, what I'm saying? Well, I'm just gonna say, I'm gonna say, first of all, it's been a tough train ride, to be honest. The hairdressing car's been closed for a while, okay? Second of all, no, you're not going anywhere, Gary Smoke. Why are you working for Team Nautilus? And instead, why aren't you working against Team Nautilus? Oh, I don't know, because they kidnapped you? Because they ruined your life? Because the world needs a Pokemon champion? Even though you seem to think, you know, it doesn't matter that you're gone. Ah, it doesn't matter. That's you all over, is it, Gary? Doesn't matter. Well, it does matter, Gary. And as much as it pains me to say this, the world needs you back because it's all going to shinks. Gary Smoke takes a second and he walks right up to you. The train is stationary, the, rain, the wind is howling, the rain is pouring, but he wants you to hear this. You think I don't care? I care. I care about my Pokemon, my team, the ones who got me where I am today. I care about keeping them safe. And if I don't do this, they're gone, baby. They are sinking to the bottom of the ocean depths. I've already said too much. I don't have to explain myself to you. <laughs> Look, Brandy, we had a good run, all right? 
What are you? A, a hanger-on. You weren't even that good at cheerleading. I can tell you didn't even like it. I'm not even sure why you stuck around me. Like, it was it was fun to see you with Surflow. But you can say the region needs me. You can say all this junk. But what I know is that my team needs me. And if I leave them right now, that'll be for nothing. So that's what counts to me, Brandy. I'm going inside that train car, and I'm doing what I came here to do. Huh, yeah. You're all talk, aren't you, about your team? About how you care for your Pokemon. And then Brandy throws out Wimpy. Wimpy was on your team once, Gary. Didn't think for a second before you threw Wimpy away, did you? You talk big about your team. You talk big about how you care about your Pokemon. About Pokemon that got you to where you are. Well, guess what? You caught this Baneary. You left it just to rot. It wasn't good enough for you. Maybe you're not good enough for your team. Maybe you're too weak to actually get your team back, to stand up for them and actually fight Team Nautilus and get them back yourself with your own strength. Because otherwise, guess what? I don't think you're worthy of them. (laughs) I can take your shouted win words. I can even take your strange lies about me catching a stupid, weak Buneary, which I would never do because they suck and he looks pointedly at Wimpy. But Brandy, you insult me as a trainer? I'm putting you in your place right now, right here. I don't care if I have to use this stupid Numel. Buneary's to Meltan, like, hold me back. Hold me back. (laughs) Meltan, Meltan. You were right about one thing. I wasn't a very good cheerleader because I didn't really care about what I was cheering for. But you know what I am? I'm a great trainer and I produce the Exo Badge. That's right, Gary Smoke. (laughs) That is one gym badge that I now have. What a reveal. How many badges do you have, Gary Smoke? I have about 24. Oh, show them to me right now. Well, I don't have them on me. I'm wearing like a skin to dust ducks suit. Oh, you don't have them on you right now, Gary. So technically, I'm the senior trainer in this situation as the badges denote rank. So all I'm saying is you're currently not the Pokemon champion. You're currently a rookie with no badges and a numal. Take advice from me right now. Don't get into it with me, Gary, because I'll win. Listen to me. Let's get your team back together. I'm going to try and convince Gary Smoke. To not fight you right now. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm happy to fight him. I'm just trying to tell him (laughs) that he's going to lose big time. Uh, okay, let's go manipulate someone. That is plus charm. Uh, Brandy is plus one in charm. <laughs> it's a five plus Ooh. a four plus that charming one of Brandy makes it a ten. <laughs> oh, something Ooh. something about that exo badge is actually throwing Gary. He retrieves Numel. You're right. This isn't my Pokemon. This isn't the time. And I certainly don't have anything to prove to you. Listen, I've got to get inside that church car. I've got to get this tome. I've got to get it to Team Nautilus. And then I get my Pokemon back and I am scot free. And if nobody sees me, if nobody knows it was me, I was never here, it never happened, and I can return to being the Pokemon champion and living that sweet, sweet Zack and Cody life. You know what I'm saying? No, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> the Zack and Cody life, they were cheerleaders you never liked. They just lived in the moment, man, you know? They, well, they were did. Just... They did. They left you, Gary. They left you because they were in love, and they decided to have their own sweet life without you. So you can't you know believe you're I'm jealous, jealous of them now. I'm jealous of Zack and Cody, okay? You made me say it. <laughs> I don't know what it is about you, Brandy, but you're getting all sorts out of me, all right? I'm jealous. I just don't want to be a hostage fugitive anymore. I just want to get this stupid train nonsense done, get out of here, and get back to who I am. You know who I am, Brandy. I'm the party dude. I'm the guy who throws parties in the middle of unsurvivable storms. That's me. That's Gary Small. Yeah, and sadly, Gary, you're also the guy that throws away Pokemon for no reason whatsoever. Brandy, you can't hate me for knowing when something has potential. You say you're a great Pokemon trainer, and yet you're still using... <laughs> what? What is that? A rabbit? You have to understand, there's a difference between being elite and being nice to your Pokemon. I think that you know that in order to be truly great, you have to be ruthless. 
And I don't know if you're a killer, Brandy. The S in Scar on Brandy's stomach, she sort of holds it as it starts to sting. It's very much feeling like I didn't succeed this role, but I did, Gary. So you're going to do what I that's, say. That's just how Gary Smolt works, baby. That's just how he works, okay? <laughs> you, you know what, you Gary? You can succeed as much as you want. I'm still going to roast you. Well, well, Gary, you know what? I think it's actually more important to win through Bonds. And you say that there's an elite level. I think anyone could be an elite level. And I'm at least on the first step to doing that. I've stopped. Stop making me upset because I've got an idea, all right? I'm happy to go with you with the tome, but but give us a chance to think of a different way to do this because I'm here to protect the tome. I work for the Pokemon League now, just FYI. Oh, so like you kind of work for me again? Oh. <laughs> Funny how life works like no, that. No, I huh? don't work for you, Gary. I actually work for a super secret organisation that no one knows about called the Special Defenders. We oh, really? Se- wait, oh. wait. Bang, bang, okay, no, 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 bang, I'm just banking. Bang. Just banking yeah. that knowledge. Just no, going to take right. that in. All I'm saying is, we're on the same team right now, and I'll get you to the tome, but we need to come up with a way to get your Pokemon back without giving that tome away. You'll help me get to the tome? I'll help you get to the tome, and I'll help you get your Pokemon back, okay? But I can't let you take that tome. We'll see, Brenny. We'll see. Well, we're going the same way now, so it'd be awkward. Why don't you walk three steps ahead of me, then? You want to walk behind me? Is that what it is? No, maybe. No, this? no, I don't want to walk behind Just move along. Just move. Yeah, move. No, you're yeah. my hostage right now. You're my hostage. Ah. You know I'd beat you in a battle. So, oh, yeah. and then Boniri gives gives Gary a kick up the bum. <laughs> oh! Yeah. My sweet buns. Yeah, my Boniri buns. Yeah, you better keep walking. Slowpoke decal, which is adorning the uh, outside of the church car, and you know that the bottom level is where you want to go. Obviously, there's no apparent entrance from the outside of the train, so Gary and Brandy, how are you getting in? Okay, Gary, let's use our brains here. How are we going to get in to the train car? (laughs) What is funny, Gary? What is so funny that you have to laugh in the middle of a storm? Just the idea of you using your brain. I'm going to think. (laughs) Yeah, well, you're not exactly Mr. Smart. You're out here wearing tight lycra in a rainstorm. I bet that's chafing. The uh, the redness between my thighs is not part of this conversation right now. What I'm thinking is that I got a new... Every time Gary steps, it squeaks. (laughs) 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 Yeah, and uh, I got a Numel. Numel connect as a blowtorch. I think we just torch our way in, baby. We're going to torch our way in. Okay, what do you well, got? What you got a wimpy Berneri gonna gonna pound our way in? <laughs> well, I think if you me- if you weaken it with a blowtorch, maybe Berneri's got the strength to bust it open. Oh my goodness, a combined assault! I I like it a lot. Okay, that's what we're going for. So obviously, you need to go down to the bottom of the train cars. So how are you? How are you sort of going from the roof to the lower level? Meltan has got quite an amorphous body. I think Meltan is going to hook its head onto a sort of a jutting pipe. And its its body is going to get nice and long and thin and become a rope, like a little metallic rope. Okay, cool. I guess roll for Meltan to see how good this rope is. Meltan is rolling 2d6 flat to see how the rope works. Oh. The rope does not work well. It's a 2 plus oh, a 2. It's no. a 4. Oh, this, is, this could be fun, though. This could be fun. So you... So you're descending down, you're essentially abseiling down the side of the church train car, which remember is three stories. So it's not, yeah. you know, it's not a small car. Meltan, the, the monocled Meltan, has attached themselves to the roof of this train car, has hooked onto two little spokes to, to give themselves purchase, and is lowering their bodies, stretching, slowly trying to stretch themselves out 
to give Brandy and Gary Smoke the amount of leverage they need to reach the bottom of the train car. However, there's an issue. It's raining, it's pouring. Meltan starts slipping. Meltan desperately is trying to hold Anne. Mel- Mel- Melchin! Melchin! But they lose their grip. And this irony, ropey thing, you suddenly feel it, Brandy, in your hands go limp. And you're falling. You're falling. Gary Smoke's falling too. What do you do? Brandy holds on to Gary. She almost shows that weakness then that actually, oh, she's come up with a problem and she doesn't actually know how to handle it. She grips onto Gary. And I actually think Gary, in his little backpack thing, sprouts these little dust-up wings that glide right down and we just land normally. And the failure in it is that Gary could have used this. He just wanted to see Brandy's plan and it was just terrible. Does that count as like two, a failure in that it's way? It's an emotional fail. Why doesn't that happen? But Gary just drops Brandy two feet from the floor. Yeah. And Brandy takes a little bit of harm <laughs> and Gary just floats slowly down to the floor. Okay, great. So yeah, you get a bit of a, a bit of a like sprained ankle or something like that. Ow! So yeah, looks like, um, looks like that whole idea of you leading is working out real good, Brandy. Sorry, I dropped you at the end there. It was just getting a little bit heavy for the wings. You understand. I had to drop the unnecessary weight. Are you saying I've gained weight? <laughs> <laughs> I said unnecessary weight, which, I, I mean, you read that as you will. It's just, you're you know. the worst person. Why, why, why does the world think you're great? You know why, Brenny? Because I am. And he starts blowtorching with the numeral. down at your hand. In it sits Canaan, still suffering from their lingering miniaturization. Please, please get me out of this. Kenny, you shake off the excess victory bell goop now covering the vial of your experimental embiggening potion and begin to pour it over the tiny enrobed figure. Here goes nothing. <coughs> Easy with that. For a moment, nothing. And then, with a willowy snap, Canaan returns to regular size, kneeling, still clasping their cane, in a puddle of green viscous liquid. I think Theo is just is just silent. Theo, would you care to introduce me? Kenny, I've been introducing you to a lot of my old colleagues of recent. Here's another one. This is um Canaan. They know um they know Hillary, who we met before. How is how is Hillary? Do you know? Oh. Uh, mm. uh, um, and let- Hillary. Uh, yes. I feel like you're dancing around the subject. You won't- I understand. It pains me, but I understand. Kanan, we need some help getting into the basement of this train carriage. I feel like you, you tend to have the information that nobody wants you to know, but everybody needs. Could you, um, could you be a dear and help us with this? <laughs> and Kanan just laughs. It's lovely to see you too, Thea. I should have known that you'd you'd start with some kind of question for me. Didn't think I'd see you again. And uh, although I still don't know how much time I have, I would be honoured to be as much assistance to you as I could, Theo. I don't know what's going on in this carriage 
or what plans the church had for me upstairs, but I know how to help you in this regard. While I was minimized, I did see them go in and out of the car. The key to it, Theo, is the slowpoke tail. There is a slowpoke adjoining this room. A singular slowpoke. Um, I think they had their own carriage completely to themselves. Seems a little ostentatious, if you ask me, but, uh... <laughs> Mm. That, is, that is indeed how, <laughs> as we know, the church transports these holy, holy beings. You need to stick the slowpoke tail in the hole. Just, just really, really jam Ooh, it in there. Sexy. Don't. <laughs> it's not. It's not a sexual thing, young boy. Oh, it it kind of sounds like a no, sexual thing. No, it's it's just a tail. You just have to put the fleshy tail into the opening and really just you know wiggle it around a little bit. You understand? Which opening? The one in the door. The trap door. Yes. You look, look at the floor. Oh yes, it says trap door right yes. how do we miss that where would yeah. we find the slowpoke carriage that you uh have so infuriatingly pointed us towards uh to to your left oh great wonderful <laughs> it's, it's i was really just, worried oh, look, it's just on your left is there it's there it's, it's, oh, oh, see the small door the small door that says this is where my the slowpoke is kept oh and well you know what they say always it, be asking questions slow, so uh... is it slowpoke sized so we're gonna have to crawl absolutely it. it's slowpoke sized yes it's like glass see so it's see through the the door and you just see this slowpoke living the absolute high life i'm thinking there's like a fondue fountain Huge. like it's like an oasis they're definitely Pokemon helping out Slowpoke with all of their needs. Someone's giving them a mani- manicure. A team it's, of Curlia just uh, A team of around. Curlia yeah, exactly. just, yeah, absolutely fanning, buffing nails, giving a massage. It is the most pristine life you can imagine. There's a Pangaro butler. There is a Pangaro butler. What is the name of the Pangaro butler, Tom? Bruce Wayne. Excellent. So yes, you see all this going on. It seems that only a Pokemon can fit through that door, though. That's the only, that's the only issue. And that, that Slowpoke looks pretty, pretty cushy in there. Pretty, pretty toasty. Slowpo. Theo? Yes? I know just the Pokemon. Oh no. Mustache! Go! <laughs> and Mustache flops into the room. As Mustache the Magikarp enters, we zoom in on Slowpoke's solo cabin, complete with their curlier masseuse and Pangoro butler. Oh, that's, that's the spot right there. That's just it. right there? Just yeah, a little? Just, just really get into those Slowpoke. Oh, you're mm. really naughty today, Slowpoke. Ooh, oh, we're going to work that tension out. Uh, Slowpoke, I hate to interrupt. Uh, Bruce, you are you medical. are interrupting, it's true, you uh, understand. I'm sorry, but um, you seem to have a visitor. I don't know if... Uh, no, no, I didn't call for any visitors today. I just have... I've got I've got Betsy doing massage till three, and then I think I've got plate of, plate of poffins. Is that right? Judy, yes, that's right. Judy, have you got? Oh my god! Yes. Oh my god! No! Oh my god! Stop! You, the one being uh, massaged, I have to draw you. Who are oh you? Oh my god! Who are you? You are a picture. Don't no one move. I I see it now. The light cascading upon the f- form. Beautiful. Does someone have a pen or a pencil? A carving? Anything? I need. There's Slowpoke's art space just next to you, but that is for oh, course, the yes. official portrait artist. Smeagol hasn't been seen the, for a while. I am. Um, so much better than any smeagle you could ever possibly achieve. I was not I aware a magic card. Everyone, I need the room. I need the room. You need the room. Don't you want us in the background? Don't you want all of us just posing around our lovely slowpoke? Do you know what, Curlia? 
do take a break here because this 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 creature has intrigued me. I suppose if that's what you wish. It is. It is for now. Thank you. I unfortunately can't fit through the Pokemon door, so I'll go through the secret human door just next to it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Bruce. Monsieur, oh. Monsieur Magikarp, you tell me I'm your muse. You tell me I oh. inspire you. Us water types, like, no one quite knows, except like us, you know what I mean? Us Gen 1 water types, we've got like this kinship going on. It's amazing that you can sort of have the amount of lit dexterity, considering you're just going, oh, 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 oh. It's just, <laughs> it's fabulous that you can get that many words out. Well, the thing is, most Magikarps, they see the world sideways. On their side, I see the world, and he flops to the other side, more like this. So, You've... it really gives me the edge, my art. You've opened me eyes up. No portrait comes for free, Mr. Magikarp. What do you want? What do you want for uh, for creating a likeness of myself? I need you to stick your tail. Wait, you whoa. Know. Okay, Magikarp, stop there. All right. I know, you know, I'm sure you're very good. All right. But there is some place where a slowpoke draws the line. No, 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 no. Shh, 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 baby, shh, shh. All right, you're invading personal space here a little bit. All right, all right. That's a that's a a very wet fin. That's a wet fin on my lips. My dude, you just need to follow me. All right, I will. I will. If you can do one quick good sketch, just draw Bruce Wayne over there as he's trying to fit through the door. I'm too big for the human door, sir. (laughs) Such a big pangoro. I don't know. He's there. He's stuck in the door. You've got time. Do a quick sketch of him. Quick. Mustache flops out into the 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 slowpoke art supplies. And sketches a Pangoro, I suppose. I guess you should roll. Of course. Uh, I can't believe the entire arc hinges on a Magikarp's <laughs> drawing. Yes, it does. It does. Let's go. Let's go. But we're on plus charm? Yeah. Plus you one to charm. All right. How good is this drawing? It's an extremely oh. good drawing. <laughs> I, I rolled two fives. So I rolled an 11. Oh. How is this drawing of this Pangoro stuck in a door so good? Moustache draws upon the power of water stew. So you think it's you think it's merely a drawing. It's actually a watercolour. And Moustache, by flopping around uh, on this train, has picked up a lot of grease and a lot of dirt along the way. Oil from the, the metal on the train has seeped into a bit of the water as he's painting it. And, you know, oil on water goes that lovely sort of rainbow shimmer. So the thick lines of, of, the, of the pencil combining with the water to create this sort of shimmering rainbow pangoro. And as he sort of flops and throws it up in the air, for the slowpoke to see it sort of sticks wet on the wall of the slowpoke oasis and silhouetted against glass it looks like a stained glass window of a pangoro stuck in a door that is beautiful you've drawn not just me but you've you've drawn my father thomas wayne his father peter wayne his father and wayne's all through the ages in one drawing it's, it's a masterpiece i can't believe pangoro, it pangoro do you- do you need a push? Just admit it. Yes, I do need a push. Do you, do we, do you need some assistance? <laughs> well, I fair enough, we all need to go back into that room, so why don't we all just sort of give you a little push into the Okay, room. one, two, three. Hush! Carp! Slowpo. Pangoro! I have no oh, idea I... what happened in that room. It doesn't matter. That slowpoke's out now. So whatever <laughs> whatever went down, I think we need to use it. Right, Kenny? Absolutely. Come here, little fella. Oh, oh, he's, he's going on his own. Oh, moustache, what did you do? He's just putting his tail in a hole. Why is the slowpoke oh, crying? Why is what? the pangoro crying? That pangoro looks like it's looking itself in the mirror. And pangoro looks like it's looking into its family history right now. Pangoro? <laughs> um, boys, the, uh, the trap door is open, just so you know. Oh, sorry, bad. yes. Yeah, the tail oh, went in. Great. It is done. Wonderful. The, the, the job's Lovely. done. 
Kenny, Theo, Melissa, Kanan, unconscious Taronius Chunder, descend through the trapdoor into the bottom level of the church car, which we have not yet seen. As you go down, it's dimly lit. There's maybe a few churchy candles. Remember to be careful of your toes. Johansson did stub his toe at one And I can see oh. why with all these candles. You see a lot of knickknacks and odds and ends, but those seem like low, low-stakes small fry stuff compared to what's at the end of this chamber. This iron behemoth, this canister giant space age capsule it's half diving bell half rocket ship and you can see various wires and cables going into this diving bell keeping something inside you see a window on the front something something weird and mystical is moving inside that in front of this chamber mrs w the small blonde head girl with the black cape and the hood and templar prime who was the the larger male looking individual with the close crop shaved hair with golden markings, the sallow dark eyes, and the swinging steel balls. They are in front of this, and they seem to be mapping out some kind of chalk, runic engraving around this metallic structure at the end of the room. In the middle of this engraving, you see the Malamar that you'd seen before, and this Malamar seems restricted, it seems tied down, it looks like it's struggling against its restraints, whereas Mrs. W and the Templar seem to be performing some kind of ritual, muttering various phrases and utterances. Theo Kenny, what do you do initially? I definitely feel like Theo would have to make the first move, because it kind of creeps him out a bit, and he doesn't trust himself in an environment like this. Maybe we don't interrupt at all. Maybe the step that we take is Kenny looks freaked out and turns to Theo and Theo just puts a finger to their lips, beckons to the team to kind of move aside to watch what's going on. We don't have an emotional allegiance to that Malamar. That Malamar literally tried to kill us, so I think that it's a case of let's watch and what's happening. This is information to be gathered. So are you checking the place out then? Yeah, yeah, that's a good chance yeah. to use yeah. that move. So that is plus sharp. sharp. So that's 2d6 plus 2, roll... And that's a three and a three plus a two for an eight. So a mixed success. You get to ask one question out of the following. What happened here recently? What is about to happen? What Pokemon is nearby? What should I be on the lookout for? What here is useful or valuable to me? Who what is really in control here? And what here is not what it appears to be? Juicy, juicy list. So I'm inclined to say that the question that Theo wants is what here is useful or valuable to me? Because I don't, I think that is the priority over what is this ritual? What is useful or valuable to you is the tome that is within this chamber. You, yes. you would assume within the, the kind of giant brass cylinder. So that's what's useful or valuable to you. Maybe there's, maybe there's something in you, Theo, some church training that clues you in as to what this ritual they're doing here is. You recognise this ritual and it's a bad ritual. It's a sort of last resort. Essentially, the way it's described in the church is it's like it's a protection ritual to protect knowledge from those who would do untoward with it. But what you know is it's actually kind of like Kenny burning the books that we saw earlier in this episode. It is let's destroy it so that no one else can have it. And you also know that this is going to be incredibly brutal on any Pokemon involved in that ritual. Hence why the Malamar is probably struggling. So what do you guys do? Phil, what are they doing? I think I've seen reference of this before and I think... They're going to destroy the book. What? But we're here to protect it. I know. Theo steps out of whatever sort of shadowy moment they sort of all tucked away into. Theo steps out and they go, you can't do this. And at the same time, readies a confused ray on Mrs. W. Okay, so you see Mrs. W in the middle of this ritual just turn, see you. Templar Prime, turn and see you. Which feels like a good time to cut to Brandy.
Gary has now finished the blowtorch plan with Numel, but Numel's blowtorch isn't that strong, so it still needs a bit of extra force. Gary, step aside. I can handle this. If I keep torching, we'll get through. No, it's not right, working, I, Gary. No, it's not it, working. It, it will work. You've I don't... weakened it, but it's not working. Now it's my time to shine. And you may have said before, but this little Baneri only knows pound. But I'm going to show you how mighty that pound has become. Wimpy, pound. Brand. So plus Brandy's tough. <gasps> oh my goodness me. Oh <laughs> my. Tom, describe what just happened. It's two sixes plus two, so it's two 14. Two sixes to punch a train. I have to say it, don't I? Double sixes plus two, 14. Tom, here are the keys. <laughs> <laughs> the keys to the GM castle. Like, in, into the ignition. Off you go. Oh run right. <laughs> it's so empty in here. There's so much room to play. I can summon anything at will. All right. You think you're wimpy? Can do anything here against the steel hull of a train? Be my friggin' guest. And he just steps back, watching expectantly, hoping to laugh. Baneri feels that pressure. Suddenly, this is it. A chance to prove his strength, how far he's come. And gives Brandy a look. And Brandy has, like, complete and utter faith in Wimpy in this moment. Wimpy's kind of slightly wavers, looks into Brandy's eyes and suddenly there's that faith. No, I am an elite Pokemon. Gary is wrong. I can do this. I'm not the Pokemon that I was when Gary threw me away. Beniri's ears pull back and just erupt through the side of this train car. Not only does it break the weakened section where the blowtorch had been used, but it takes off almost the quarter of the bottom part of the train car and suddenly light floods into this dark room to see Kenny, Theo and the church. We are very much no longer in the shadows. <laughs> and I think the bonus, some of the debris, it knocks the Malamar free. Obviously, you can only see the light pouring in, Kenny and Theo, but you see the most badass silhouette of Baneri and the shadow that he casts is huge. Gary's just mouth agape. You know what, Gary? I, I kind of think this Baneri might have a little bit of potential. And then I slap him on the bum. <laughs> He's got no words to respond to that. Kenny says, Wimpy, you made So Brandy, you've now entered this scene as well. Half this bottom train car is now missing. The wind is howling in, the storm is pouring in. Wimpy, looking like an absolute superhero, stood atop some artifacts, casting a shadow across the now ruined ritual of Mrs. W Templar Prime and a now freed Malamar, who is eyeing Mrs. W with distrust and contempt. Theo is still readying this confused ray, ready to strike. Kenny holding back, protecting Melissa and Kanan as best he can, as we fade down on the climactic showdown aboard the Nadorant Express. Attack is hotting up. Yeah.
Yes! I'm gonna cut straight to the thank yous because we've got some news today. Um, so thank you to Michael Sands, the creator of RPG Monster of the Week, the system that we have used as a base for Pocket Monster of the Week. If you want to know more about our hack of Monster of the Week, please head to our Discord. Thank you to Braxton Burks and the Material Collective and Glitch X City for all of their amazing music. Thank you to Junichi Masuda and Satoshi Tajiri for the not insignificant feat of creating Pokemon. We have no association with Game Freak, Nintendo or the Pokemon Company. We are not-for-profit and fan-made. Thank you, of course, to Tom, David and Stu, my wonderful friends and companions on this journey. Okay, gang, here we go. The news that I'm sure you've all been waiting for. News on our Patreon! That's right, we are launching today. Well, the day that this episode's gone out. You can obviously don't know when you're listening to this episode, but basically it is live as of November the 9th, which is very exciting. Our Patreon can be found at patreon.com forward slash critical ditto, and full information about tiers and rewards can be found on the Patreon page. Some things you can look forward to, we've got some absolutely insane but really really fun bonus episodes which I'm going to tell you the title of now they are called Formian Shorts we are super excited to share those with you because they are more fun to record than quite frankly they should be other stuff to look forward to in the future we want to put out merchandise more bonus content more episodes you can have your name in these end credit sequences. Your character suggestions will get prioritised. All sorts of different stuff on the Patreon. It's super exciting. We can't wait to launch it. And if you want to find out more information about it, the website, one more time, is patreon.com forward slash critical ditto. Please leave us a review on wherever you find your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at at Critical Ditto, and join our wonderful and ever-increasing Discord. But until then, go out and be the very best, like no one ever was. In other words, just be yourself. Okay, guys, can I come clean? I was not recording on clean feed. Are you kidding me? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, at what, at what point did you realise? Was it mi- Were you midway through your own sentence? Because there was a moment where Tom was really into an idea and then just suddenly trailed off. <laughs> yeah, like... it would have been that moment. I don't actually remember what the idea is. Don't actually remember what the idea is. So, right, I think Alphonse, possibly in the past, there was this big... Um, uh... <laughs> 